DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision has given you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Time to welcome in Carlos Silva Jr. He covers the Texas Tech Red Raiders for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Carlos, good morning. Good morning to y'all. How are you? Good. We are ready for the NCAA tournament. Utah State and Texas Tech right out of the gate. And before we get into some specifics with you, I'm curious kind of big picture and the Red Raiders are a lot of people are saying really nice things about them. A lot of people are picking them to beat Utah State in advance. They are the sixth place team out of the Big 12. Do you think and and they tied with Oklahoma at 9 and 8. Do you think the mm-hmm. Big 12 when they get hyped is the best conference in the country, maybe with the Big Ten, kind of 1-1A. One and one a. Are they that good? Is the league that deep? Is that why the Red Raiders are 9-8? and eight? Or there's some fundamental flaws that can be attacked by the Aggies and whoever else they might play, however long they last in the NCAA tournament? Well, I think the one thing you have to look at with Texas Tech is uh, six of their eight losses have come by one or two possessions, and I think that's the thing that you have to look at is the fact that Again, going to your point, the Big 12 is a meat grinder just like the Big 10 is. And uh, if you make a mistake in a crucial moment, which has been snake-bitten by – or has snake-bit Texas Tech, pardon me, the last uh, couple games. Uh, and then you can even look at Texas where they were leading them for a little bit and then they weren't able to get the victory to eventually get to the Big 12 title game, which is what the Longhorns did. They cut down the net, so – Again, uh, I, I would just have to tell you, in terms of the big picture, Texas Tech is certainly one of those teams that is, again, as you mentioned, the sixth-place team in the Big 12, but that is a very, very deep league. I know everyone kind of looks at Kansas State and Iowa State and how bad they did, but a couple years ago, this was a league where those two teams finished above 500 as well, and that was one of those uh, really odd statistics where every team finished above 500. Granted, the conference records didn't show that, but the fact that you're able to finish above 500 overall just shows the type of quality teams that the league does have. And obviously right now they're kind of switching over. Kansas State had its struggles. Iowa State has a new coach now because of their win this season. But in terms of Texas Tech, I think the one thing you can say is they stay in games, and if you're able to make some plays down the stretch, which is what uh, some teams did against Texas Tech, that being a Baylor, Texas, uh, you look at some of the other losses that they took as well against Houston. That one, they just got punched in the mouth early on, which is something that, going to your question, if Utah State's able to do get on a big run early, be able to hold them off, that could be something that Utah State could take advantage of. But again, Texas Tech is a much different team than that from that Houston loss. And I think that's the one thing that Chris Beard will always talk about and you'll always hear in his press conferences is game after game. He just wants to see his team improve, and they certainly improve because – they're in a much better standing than they were last year coming into the NCAA tournament before the Big 12. And, of course, everyone remembers how sports were canceled. Tell us about Mac McClung, you know, the transfer from Georgetown. Somewhat dynamic, but uh, can I label him streaky? Is that a fair assessment? I think it's a fair assessment. There were times where he didn't really start off strong in the first half, but then all of a sudden he'll pour in 18 to 20 points. Yeah, he is leading the team, but... I think uh, one thing that you will see with McClung is sometimes he may not have the points scored that you're seeing from a leading scorer. Like, I, I can't remember which game, but he had four points total. 
but those four points, he had the four free throws at the end of the game that helped Texas Tech fend off a team for a victory. So I think that's one thing that Mac McClung is starting to learn about his game. It's not just about scoring. He came to Texas Tech, as Chris Beard has mentioned, for one, winning, getting to the NCAA tournament for the first time, but the other thing was to improve his defense, which I think he has a little bit. He's still got a little bit of a learning curve in terms of his help defense to where sometimes he does leave a guy open for three every once in a while. But I think uh, when you look at what he's able to do in terms of making plays with the ball, off the ball, that is something that helps Texas Tech open up their motion offense because of his ability just to create plays with the basketball and help create open lanes for his teammates. And I think that's one thing that Texas Tech does covet about Matt McClung is that when he does get hot, I mean, he can he can score in bunches. Carlos Silva Jr. joining us. He covers the Texas Tech Red Raiders for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Texas Tech's going to open the NCAA tournament by playing the Utah State Aggies. And Carlos, they do TV here. We have a weekly college basketball panel. There's a former Aggie player, Spencer Nelson, and he said this, and the former BYU assistant coaches on the panel, Tim Lacombe, agreed immediately. They said Texas Tech is like San Diego State out of the Mountain West Conference, except on steroids. A little bigger, a little quicker, a little deeper, but that uh, just the signature toughness, the willingness to defend and rebound every possession and just bang and be as physical as necessary. Is that really at the core who the Red Raiders are? Because if that's true, then Aggie fans know exactly what they're in for. Absolutely, and I almost even go a little bit farther in terms of rebounding. They are the best offensive rebounding team in the Big 12 for for points at a time. So I think that's something that Chris Beard covets. Again, going back to that one to two possession uh, deal, it's just Chris Beard is all about making an opportunity for yourself. If he has an opportunity, as I mentioned before, at the end of a game where you get the ball or you need a stop, he's he's obviously he's not going to enjoy having his heart attacks, but he's going to enjoy the fact that he knows that he put his team in a position to win, and that's certainly what he's going to do against uh, Utah State later this weekend. But in terms of uh, what what they both said, I totally agree with that. Uh, Defense is their DNA, their identity. Same thing with rebounding. And the other thing is toughness. I think you've seen that in games where they went down by double figures. They were able to come back. And uh, the other thing I would say is they're also a very deep team. I mean, you look at Jamarius Burden, who was injured for a little bit due to a toe tendon issue, and then all of a sudden – you get Clarence Nadolin who steps up and is starting to play well. You see Tyreek Smith who's starting to develop into a, a very good post player. So I think that's one thing that you can also, or a couple things that you can also add is that they're a deep team and they're developing their players down the stretch. And we'll see if they're able to get some of these other guys some minutes because, as you mentioned, Doc McClung's going to get minutes, Terrence Shannon's going to get minutes, and you've got other guys like uh, Marcus Santa Silva that are pretty set in stone to be penciled in as starters, but You've got other guys that can also step in and score in bunches as well. How much do you think of maybe of a lack of size will be an issue against Kata? Because obviously he's a very good player. Uh, I've been asked this question a few times, and I know it's a different year or a different team, but Texas Tech has faced these big seven-footers. Matt Harms uh, is one that sticks out to me a couple years ago when they played Purdue. So I think the, the one thing that you can also kind of flip it on its head is Maybe Utah State's not used to playing a team that's got a bunch of six, seven athletes that can maybe blow by uh, Keita and 
maybe get them into foul trouble. I think that's going to be something that Utah State is going to have to be very wary of because maybe Texas Tech does go after him. They try to get him into foul trouble once he's on the bench. Certainly that's uh, not a place where Craig Smith would like him to be. So I think that's one thing Texas Tech will be looking to do is be aggressive, get to the free throw line, and obviously if they're able to get uh, Keita on the bench, that's certainly a big priority. And not only that, but speaking of Kyler Edwards yesterday, the guard for Texas Tech, he said the one thing they have to do is make sure he does not get the ball. So that should be interesting to see how they deny him on the defensive end. Not having a tournament last year kind of throws the whole NCAA tournament experience thing out of whack. And there's so many transfers now. I can't keep track of them all. You know, we, we got BYU here, and, you know, they got the team hasn't been to the tournament in a while, but they got four transfers who have been, including guys who played in the Sweet 16. Obviously, Texas Tech was in the national title game, but it was two years ago. How much of that a playing experience do they retain on the roster? Uh, they've got Kyler Edwards, who was a freshman on that team, Avery Benson. Uh, is another player, and if you want to count tournament experience, Marcus Santasilva has been there with uh, Virginia Commonwealth, but did not win that game. So if you're talking about the national championship, Tyler Edwards and Avery Benson would be the two that have been from there. Tyler Edwards uh, did score 12 points, I believe. I know for sure it was double figures, and he had a couple threes uh, in the midpoint of that game. So certainly he's a guy that does know what to expect he can tell his teammates all this other stuff but I, I think as Chris Beard has said very point blank it's sometimes you just gotta go out there and play you know and uh the nerves will eventually get there but once you start going out and playing and enjoying the game they're gonna go away and I think that's one thing that he's hoping to see from his team is the fact that he does have some experience some of it may not be in the NCAA tournament with some of the guys like Mac McClung uh, Marcus Silva certainly has some but He's expecting his guys that have already been in that grinder, as we talked about, of the Big 12 Conference. He's going to hope that that has helped them in terms of just just the experience and then just knowing that every night or every game you play is going to be a difficult proposition. And I think that's what the NCAA tournament is going to present for them. But I think they've already prepared for that by being in the Big 12 Conference. Yeah, certainly the conference has helped them be prepared because I think it was the best conference this season. And within the conference season, they had a couple of times where uh, they missed some ball games. How much do you think that affected their team? Now, they should be past that, but in terms of maybe, you know, if they would have played and not sat out, I think it was a week or two that maybe they'd have a little bit better record. Uh, they might, but I think uh, that's something that Chris Beard will say. It's just not an excuse. Like, he was just prepared. I mean, go, going into this, you knew there was going to be a point where you would miss some games or you were going to have some things that were postponed, which is what happened with Texas Tech. You look at Baylor, uh, things were really, really kind of uh, mixed up for them. But I think with Texas Tech, I think the one thing they needed most of all was just to play games. And, uh, again, not the most ideal situation, but I think the fact that they were able to get back on track later on in the season, uh, minus the two losses to Baylor and Texas to end the season, Texas, of course, being in the Big 12 quarterfinal game, but before that, they went on a three-game winning streak against Texas at home, beating TCU, beating Iowa State. I think those three were the biggest things because you kind of got on a roll, you saw what was working. And then you saw some guys step up, like I said, a clearance of the only Tyreek Smith. So I think for what they wanted to accomplish before the season ended, minus the loss and obviously not getting the Big 12 title, 
I think that's certainly a positive for Texas Tech, just to kind of see their guys playing well down the stretch. Really, that kind of surprises me a little bit because I thought that three and five finish with the loss to Iowa State, who was you know just way worse than the rest of the league, that people would look at that and say this is a team that didn't play its best ball down the finish uh, down the stretch. Well, the the thing is, is the last two teams they played were two ranked teams. Number three Baylor on the road, and they kept that one pretty close up until the end. Then you look at Texas again, 67-66. It was just one of those where you have the last. The team that has the ball last kind of gets the gets the victory, and it was Texas that went went for the layup. Kyler Edwards appeared to get all ball, but he was called for a foul, and Texas was able to get the two game winning for uh, the game tied and then game winning free throws. So again, it's just one of those things where you feel like you're close, and again, before that, they had three straight wins. So it, it's just one of those things where again, I'm I'm kind of looking at the the positive side of things in terms of. You had those three straight wins. You were looking good, and then all of a sudden you still played well against Baylor. It's not like you got blown out like some of these other teams that have played the Bears. And then Texas, it's just one of those. It's the 50-50 type game, and uh, unfortunately they just came out on the wrong side of it. Yeah, and they had beat Texas uh, when you talk about that three-game winning streak. That was the start of it at the end of February, and uh, BYU could run into Texas. Could you tell us a little bit what your impressions are about Texas? Most athletic team in the Big 12 is the best thing I can tell you. Their, their bigs are incredible. Uh, I know everyone's going to talk about Greg Brown, but Kai Jones is certainly another really good forward that can step out and make a three. But the thing that makes them go is their guards, Coleman, Ramey, and Jones. If they're able to get going, which is what Texas Tech has been able to do at times, but then, of course, if you slow down the guards, that means the posts are going to really kind of start to – to get going. So that's the one thing about Texas is they've got so many offensive weapons. It's just a matter of you kind of pick your poison. And for Texas Tech, that was trying to get the guards into foul trouble, which they were able to do in that game where they did lose by one point. But uh, that's really what a a team that is playing the long board is going to have to do. You're going to have to get some of those guys into foul trouble because if not, it's going to be a very difficult day uh, on the defensive end. Well, Carlos, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on and sharing a little uh, Texas Tech Red Raider basketball knowledge with us. Hey, anytime. Appreciate y'all. Carlos Silva, Jr. He covers the Texas Tech Red Raiders for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, and it is Texas Tech and Utah State in the NCAA tournament opener. Do you feel differently about picking that game? Not that our predictions are worth all that much, but for whatever they're worth and people want them, you feel different after talking to them? Uh, I don't know that I feel different. I feel like this is going to be – uh, a, a, a not when I say slugfest, not in terms of offensive, you know, in the high 80s, 90s type deal. I think it's going to be more of a grinded out, uh, tough possession oriented game. And I don't think that Texas Tech is prolific offensively. And Kada, you know, as he said, he was taking it from the positive from Texas Tech standpoint when I asked him about Kada, because you look at the roster of Texas Tech and it is basically. Uh, a bunch of six, seven guys up front. Well, Kate is clearly bigger than that, right? And he's really good. And so I look at it, you know, and I'm probably looking at it from the Aggie angle because it doesn't do me any good to have Texas Tech win. That doesn't help our show. Uh, That uh, Utah State, well, man, how are you going to stop this kid? And I could throw Bean at you guys, and he's roughly, you know, he's basically the same height as the Mm -hmm. tallest guys that 
Texas Tech plays, and he's athletic enough, and he's a good player and all that stuff. So, you know, he can have some opportunity to do some stuff. But what's going to happen with Kata? Kata has the potential, obviously, as he said, if he can stay out of foul trouble, to have a really big game here. Yeah. Because he's taller. He's probably better. And I haven't watched a ton of Texas Tech basketball, but I do think the Big 12 is one heck of a conference. So then I balance that out. You know, what would Texas Tech have done if they were in the Mountain West? Would they have won it going away? Probably not because San Diego State is is pretty good, and the Mountain West did have a good uh, conference at the top this year. But, you know, that's not as good as the Big 12. So all those things, you factor into it, and it adds to me as a a lot of intrigue. I don't follow basketball lines, but I wouldn't think the line, if Texas Tech is favored, would be very much. All right, DJ and PK, coming up, everything you missed in this show, we will get you up to speed next. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.